Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Two Chunks and a Hunk. Movie musings for mostly everybody. two chunks and a hunk my name is jordan wonders and this week i am your chunk i'm doge and i never look back darling it distracts from the chunk (laughs) and i'm carter and greater good i'm your hunk i'm the greatest good you are ever gonna get very good (laughs) did you see the trivia about about the actress that plays honey no no not an actress she works in pixar's hr department (laughs) i could tell that's great i could tell i feel like they make moves like that all the time that just make me say yeah so real quick i have to say it right now because i'm in trivia mode the two old guys at the end they're like that's old school like the old school you know who those two guys are no no but i was i it felt like they would be important two legendary disney animators so disney uh Regularly, we'll talk about the nine old men, basically nine animation mentors that influenced and shaped the future of animation in the West. And those are two of those guys who who worked with Disney in the real early days. And so they That's incorporated awesome. them into this movie. That's anyway, so cool. this is not the part of our show where we typically do that. So I'm yeah. going to just It's I'm crazy you back. already know all gonna, this much about a movie you hate. So I'm, I'm going to mute my I'm going to mute my mic. I'm just going to sit back and no, you guys catch great. up to me. <laughs> Uh, Carter, I noticed that you referred to yourself as the hunk in Yes. Yes. So we'll get to a scene later in this movie of a wall of magma. Yes. Um, and I hmm. think I have that figuratively in my future. Okay. Uh, because, uh, in one of the many Slack channels that I'm in and we were already in several, but now with the quarantine, there's many, many more. All those messaging um, apps are just the wild west right now, aren't yes, they? Yes, dude. Just uh, a lot sure. of good friends in the neighborhood. We were talking about Hot Ones, uh, and I had just bought a pack of three. So if you watch Hot Ones, it's it's maybe my favorite interview show right now. It's on YouTube. It's super fun. It's really phenomenal. Host Sean Evans. Shout out to Sean Evans. Um, we know but you it combines listen. like two of my favorite things, eating hot wings and then just getting to know people uh, in that kind of interview setting. And so I'm going to do it myself. So I had, I had ordered three and then they're like, why don't I, you should just do the whole thing. And then it got bigger and bigger to where it was just like, let's just do a full fledged 10 wings, 10 hot sauces. My wife, Chelsea is going to be interviewing me and people will send in questions and stuff. Um, and I'm honestly so excited about it. 
like as it was happening, I was like, no, really? No. You know, that, like that, <laughs> the times that you're like, me? yes, it's happened. I didn't even mean for it to. Usually I plant these in people's minds. Are you not nervous for your butthole? I'm certainly nervous um, because I have seen people that like grown people that are on that show. Uh, even like large people like Idris Elba and, and <laughs> people Shaq. that are like Shaquille O'Neal, right. That, uh, for some reason feel like they have an immunity to pain. Um, but yeah, ab- to be able to see them spice. struggle with it, but I'm also excited about it. Right. I'm like, yeah, it's an you know interesting who, balance. You know who just powered through, uh, in his interview and it both shocked me and also made total complete sense to me. Who? Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shia LaBeouf was just sort of like, he's this so is nothing. good. He's amazing. Paul Rudd. Like there's, there's a lot of really good recent. I recommend oh, that so to good. anybody. You will be surprised. You'll probably find someone that you like a lot that has been on that show. Oh yeah. Most definitely. That's a free advertising for hot ones as though Congrats. they need it. Hot ones. <laughs> you know what very else good, is a Very good, very spicy one? time. Sorry, apparently, apparently you didn't hear me. You know what else is a hot one? <laughs> I have a guess. The next installment in our Pixar series, Pixar Picks, pick what picks your Pixar Picks Pixar, Pixar, Pixar. That's the second place winner of the poll. That's right. You guessed it. This movie's called The Incredible Dinosaur. <laughs> Wait. Nah. Oh, no. Nah. Sorry, that's next week's episode. Right, right. <laughs> okay. I would like to talk about The Incredibles. <laughs> And the way that I would like to begin talking about The Incredibles is much like we do every week. Doge, would you hit me with a syndrop syndronopsis? Sorry. Wow. Syndrop syndronopsis. <laughs> Sounds like a lawyer. Would you syndrop some syndronopsis on us? This week's synopsis comes from Michael Lofren, an IMDb contributor. And I'll just let you guys behind the curtain, part the magma curtain right here. Uh, <laughs> They're all good, which is oh, that's a, a bit of a, a bummer for me. I know typically we want people to do a good job, but I'm upset that they have. <laughs> Michael writes, Mr. Incredible is a superhero, or he used to be, until a surge of lawsuits against superheroes submitted by the people they've saved forced the government to hide them in witness protection programs so they could lead normal, anonymous lives. Now known exclusively by his secret identity, Bob Parr, He lives with his wife, Helen, formerly Elastigirl, and their three children, Violet, Dash, and Jack-Jack. He works as an insurance claims specialist, and he's fed up with his pushy boss and his immoral profession. But his wife's worked too hard to build a normal life for her family to abide his nostalgia for heroism. When Mr. Incredibles offered the chance to play the role of hero again by a mysterious informant, he jumps at the opportunity, and the whole family must reveal themselves to save Mr. Incredible and countless innocents. Yeah, it's a pretty good synopsis. Michael did a great is. job. I it know has it's such a, a serious vibe, though. Let me let me just scroll down and see what else IMDb has to offer. Sometimes the reviews are juicy. Wait, wait, wait. <gasps> a user by the name of Joni Kilbride on November twentieth, two thousand four, copy pasted that synopsis as her review of this movie. Wait, really? A hundred percent. And she did not click. Uh, this person did not click the stars. On IMDb to rate it, but instead just typed four asterisks. Okay. Interesting. Pixar has made some interesting films in the past, but none of them pass over their most recent, The Incredibles. 
Their first PG-rated film, it's vivid, exciting, and charming film featuring the voices of the entire cast. Brad Bird has created a fantasized creative world that is definitely one of the year's best or perhaps the best. It has a wicked sense of humor, an eye for action, and dazzling scenery. Interesting. Okay, here's the thing. Very interesting. I'm gonna take um I'm gonna take a pretty hard stance right here at the beginning of this episode. Okay. Um I don't know if this will be controversial. I'm not That's sure. That's different from what you usually do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is a new thing? This oh, oh, Jordan this, has a strong opinion. Okay. This movie is um just about perfect, I think. That's uh that's my hard stance. Oh no. <laughs> This is when you wish you had a video feed. Yikes, guys. Some uh, some super strong nonverbals from the other two pod boys. Wow. Okay, here we go. Let's get into it then. The, don't you get excited, though, when episodes start like this? Because these are some <laughs> I, of our best. I am confused, honestly, by your reactions to my statement. I just, do I you want to describe remember, our reactions? Remember to the, what you to said listener? yesterday, though. Remember what you said yesterday about when you have a strong opinion about something, and then it's like, well, maybe not. Then you're just like, well, everything's wrong. And I'm just saying, please don't throw us away. No. So usually in friendships, when you open up about something, the goal is to not have them throw it back in your face about 35 minutes later. So that's sort of what I was going for originally. We're not friends, uh, dude. We're co-hosts. That's a a good point. We don't hang out outside of video calls anymore. When I said that The Incredibles is virtually perfect, I was met with what can only be described as uh, nonverbal facial disagreement. (laughs) And uh, I'm Completely NVFD, shocked. dude. NVFD is the biggest problem plaguing America right now. And I didn't know that I was going to have to put my dukes up for this movie, but dukes are up and let's go. So the Incredibles. <laughs> you're just approaching it so differently now. <laughs> I, and if I, no one believes it, you're dead to me. I, I just didn't know that this is the direction we were going to head in, but I'm so excited So even if people it. don't it's, think it's so, It's probably not a drastic direction. Uh, I am... Uh, in love with the beginning of this movie, the way that we start with yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. old footage and interviews and all this stuff. So one of the things that I think this movie does really well is sort of the Silver Age superhero style of a setting that is both very much in and out of a real time frame. Right. Yeah. Um, so this movie sort of exists in a very like, it almost feels late 60s. Like It's 1962. Right. The present, but, the present day is 1962. But the end. also isn't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's stylized. It's like, it's, it's Metropolis. The 1962, the 1962 that turned into the future depicted in the Jetsons. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's reminiscent to me of Superman animated series Metropolis with like the, the, um, the raised trains and like, the paneled cars of the time, but then you've got things that are like super highly advanced tech Oh yeah, and all that stuff. It's just um, something about that I think makes a movie work well, even when it's, it would be dated if it had been set in 2004. Right. Oh yeah. Well, and they really lean into that. I mean, even musically, this is Michael Giacchino again, who I will never stop saying is my favorite composer working right now. Um, this is probably my second, my second favorite um, non sing along soundtrack of the Pixar. Oh, it's so good! Universe, it's so so good. But it's like he it he very really intentionally good. is channeling John Barry's James Bond themes right yep, from bum, this bum, era. Bum, 
Yeah. Like, like almost exactly. They were going to get John Barry in. They tried to get him to come out of retirement, but he was like, I've already done a lot it's of Bond like, stuff. I kept going back to like the blood on Goldeneye in 64 yeah. Yeah, going right. down on my screen after I just got killed. Right. But the whole thing, so that to me, the, the concept of this movie, especially for the time that it came out, is super unique. This is an idea Brad Bird had been kicking around since the early '90s, and he yeah, was trying yeah. to get it trying to get it done at Warner Brothers Animation. Uh, he was going to do it after the Iron Giant because he was yeah. the director of that that film, and then Warner's animation division folded at the end of the '90s, and they brought him into Pixar. Yeah, to produce. And he this actually movie. wanted the animation style that we see in the in the credits, mm-hmm. right, and the post credits, which would have been wildly different. Like it would have been incredibly different. Yeah. Uh, nice, not as impactful. I, I uh, think you're right. And, and I think this movie stands um, sort of on an island in the Pixar pantheon. To me, it it is potentially the most um, non-kid movie-leaning Pixar movie of all of them. Yeah. I would say so. And I think that was necessary. I yeah. think it needed to be... I think stakes needed to be really high because this family needed to be put in a position that we were really worried for them. Sure. Yeah, completely. This I mean, it's like, like the it's like the fourth non G rated animated movie of all time, right? This yeah. and Shrek, probably. This Shrek, uh, I think it was oh, it was oh, crap. What was it? You know, we remember. were talking about talking about earlier. What if Brad Bird had done this without Pixar? Like, they, it would have been so different, right? Probably oh, same kind of story, same. but different in animation. I think at this point, by two thousand four, probably even before then, probably in two thousand two when Monsters Inc came out. Like, uh, having something be a Pixar movie gave it a leg up, no matter what it was going 100%. to be. 100%. I don't think you get Craig T. Nelson and uh, Holly Hunter without Pixar's name attached. What a weird what a weird casting choice, though. Right? Which like, well, it felt like it was them. character-centric. It felt both like it was... Them. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know that... I mean, they, they're certainly not really generating a lot of heat right now. And I don't know that they were whenever they're recorded their vocals for this movie too yeah but i think they're still both household names and like to to me at least i think their casting was perfect i'm gonna oh yeah i'm i may be spicy right now it's not my super dump uh i don't think that holly hunter does that good of a job oh she's the best one to me you think she's the best yeah, I think oh, she's, I really think she's the worst. I don't. No, I, no, no, I no, really no. think she's the weakest link in this cast. I no don't, way! I, don't I think, think she's she the strongest. Very well. Oh no! Are you serious? A hundred percent serious. Yeah. Do no, you know much her. Holly Hunter outside of her voice acting here? I mean, I'm not super familiar with her, but I. Okay. I mean, know who she is. I mean, I'm not a pro myself, but yeah, it just felt like I her. see the I, I mean, see the Holly very... Hunter poster on your wall behind you, though. <laughs> no, that's not. You're a hunt head, dude. A headhunter. <laughs> oh, a headhunter. That's very good. I do think she was the best. She was actually almost my super pump. Dude, yeah. that is so controversial for me. I funny? think Craig T. Nelson is the very best. I think he's incredible in this. I, he's I think, very good. He's I think I agree two. with that. I think Craig T. Nelson's my favorite, but man, Holly Hunter is so good. Um, I, I think for for me, maybe the, the weakest voice link would probably be Violet, but well, that, I think she's passable. Well, she's not an actress. She was a presenter on This American Life that they heard, and they were like, her voice is interesting. She needs to be Violet, and they reached out to her. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. 
Uh, her name's Sarah Val. She's a, a presenter for This American Life. And to convince her to come on the film, they animated one of her This American Life segments. And we're like, see, it could be like this. Will you please do this? Oh, cool. It's like Shades of Robin Williams. Yeah. Getting him to do Genie. That's awesome. That's funny. Probably the two greatest comedic legends of the last century. <laughs> That's right. Robin Williams and Sarah Val from NPR. No one is out of Pixar's reach. That's true. I mean, Disney's reach. Yeah, I, I I think that um the family, I don't know, man. There's something about the the this is a mature story. Um, you know, the idea of the fear of an affair and um the the being kind of stagnant in your life because you've sort of lost sight of what is important. And I don't know, it's 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 fairly meaty. Yeah, for a Pixar movie, and I think that's yeah, why I don't it think, stands above for me in a lot of ways. I think in terms of Pixar movies that feel very much for parents, like the parents were in mind. Yeah, I don't think we get that again until Inside Out. Yeah, yeah probably not. I think that's fair. So, well, but it, yeah, and this is our only Pixar movie uh, outside of Brave, I guess. But this one is very much about the family. Like it is an actual like, right. They are yeah. all integral parts. Yes, we get to see Riley's parents a lot or kind of a lot and inside out, but it's more about what's going on inside of Riley. Right. Um, yeah. So very good. Yeah. I think it, I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly fair to say it's about the family. I think we have a real problem juggling protagonists for the first part of this movie. Um, and that's actually going to be my super dump is that really until Helen leaves the house to go save Bob, she doesn't do anything other than, I, I don't know. It's, it's presented in a way that's like, this feels very like the kind of late mid century stereotype, the, the barefoot and pregnant wife, you know, that's just like, well, my job is to make sure dinner's on the table. And like the kind of, you know, certainly if that's your thing, that's your thing and that's fine and valid, but it, it's presented in a way that almost feels regressive. Um, I, th- I think that's yeah, a I mean, point to me at least. I, yeah, I, I was going to say, I think it is too, but I don't think we do a good job of showing that Helen wants more than that. And Helen is capable of more than that. Helen's only role for the first half of this movie is to stand sad in the driveway when Bob goes off to work. And it's like, I, I would love a little more agency from Helen. Well, but she only stands she goes sad, to see Ed, Edna. She only stands sad in the driveway when she thinks he's going off to have an affair. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, but then there's other times when all she does is just sit and wait for him. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't see a lot of agency and I don't see Helen trying to chart a path forward until she goes to see Edna. Yeah, um, I think she, I, I totally I think, hear you. I just, I think I just disagree. You know, I th- I think that she at the, at their wedding, her whole thing is like, you're going to have to be more than Mr. Incredible. To me, it seemed like her goal was to move on from that. And her new goal was to, to have a family. And that was her agency was leaving behind the superhero life to have that family. And Bob couldn't let it go. Sure. But then there's an element to which it, she's not holding him accountable to that. You're going to have to be more than Mr. Incredible. And all she does is just say, oh, Bob, you shouldn't do that when he goes out and is Mr. Incredible at night. You know what I mean? Like there's there's a sense and maybe it's not Helen's character motivation or lack of action. That's my super dump. But it's just something about that arrangement feels really regressive and feels like Helen as a character based on what we see of her later in the movie. There's something about the way that she just lets Bob off the hook time and time and time again. And we're, we're seeing at the beginning of this movie and we're supposed to feel that it's a pattern 
that she's just let him off the hook again and again and again. And they've moved a bunch of times. They had to, they've had to relocate a bunch of times because she just keeps letting him off the hook and he just keeps not putting his superhero stuff behind him. And that like, I get that that stuff is necessary for us to have a story to build forward from that. But to me, I think there's an element that we can, it feels more respectful of Helen if she has a more active role in saying, Bob, you are, you are not allowed out of this house. You're not allowed to keep doing that. You can't just keep stepping on me and ignoring what I'm telling you to do. Yeah. To me, I think the thing is the scale, right? So because she is also a superhero, I I, I don't know, to me, if she's not a superhero and it's like, you knew what you were getting into when you got married and then that conversation happened, that's different. But because she's also a superhero, I think the scale has to scale up. And this would be the equivalent of, you know, you married an ex pro football player who keeps going out and like throwing out his back over and over again. And you're tired of watching him get hurt because as an ex superhero as well, she knows like that, that kind of comes with the territory, the relocation and stuff. I, I don't know. I just think the whole thing is a huge scale of normal, like family stuff of, you know, stagnation and confusion and loss of identity and gaining that back but just set to the scale of it's a superhero family going through it instead of a normal family. It's just Um, a lot of Bob. Like we see the arc of him, like realizing how good he's got it, like how much his family actually means to him and how careless he's been. And Doge, I totally hear you. And, and, and I, and I a hundred percent see how you have interpreted this. And I think that's completely valid. It's just not at all. I think my interpretation of events yeah, I I do like that she's ultimately given the responsibility of like cleaning it up. Yes. Right. Yeah. Of, that's of what, she that's has when I start to, to get on board with Helen as a character when she yeah. decides to take action. And and maybe it's just that maybe I would have an easier time with it if we saw Helen taking action at the beginning. But for the first half of this movie, we're just presented with a former superhero who just kind of, no pun intended, just flattens herself out and lets Bob walk yeah. all over her and what she's asking I think, to do. Yeah, I think so too. And I'll, I'll say one more thing about it too, but I think it depends on how you define the action or how you see the action. Cause I do think she's taking action and I think she's taking it in a way that she had understood as we see them getting married of what she thought they collectively were going to go towards. Right. Like this is the action. I am the responsible one and you're irresponsible. And so I guess it would have helped to define it more. I mean, there's also a, there's also a, you know, a good thing about people viewing it differently. That's art. That's a movie. And so it's cool to see it from different angles, but I do get Doge. I think we should have had some kind of pointed conversation about that of being like, no, this is our role now. Like this is what we're Don't we get that supposed though, to do. in the living room when the kids are eavesdropping? Don't we have that conversation? No, yeah, there's they do no have a- resolution to that. Yeah. They just stop and Bob Bob steamrolls it and says, Mommy and I were just talking and we're united against the forces of and she says yeah. pig headedness and he says, I was gonna say evil or something. And then the scene ends. Right. I think it's a yeah, I think we're supposed to be upset with Bob. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess and I I think this is a good conversation to have, which is the only reason that I haven't pulled an ejector lever and moved us on to something else. I just think it's good to this is sort of a un, unique conversation that you can only have around a Pixar movie that the bar should be so high. But like, so, so what is it about those interactions that don't quite level up to like what you're hoping for from the beginning of the movie? I think it's just that Helen's not standing up to him, that Helen doesn't get a moment where she says, listen, Bob, this is the last time. And we never get that. Like we, we don't, we get the sense that, and even like, 
and, and maybe maybe Helen herself is not my super dump, but the way that this conflict is resolved between them, like the closest we get to an apology from Bob before he breaks down at the end and says, I can't lose you again. I'm not strong enough. Bob, you didn't lose her. You threw her away. And when they're running through the jungle, he says, you keep trying to pick a fight and I'm just happy you're alive. That's so crappy. Dude, she's frustrated with you. Like you have been a complete jerk and you've been a douche. Like you have to, it doesn't feel like that Helen gets a chance to articulate, Bob, these are the ways that you have hurt our family. And this is what you've done by prioritizing yourself over us. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like Bob ever understands what he's done and really apologizes for what he's done. He says, I'm sorry, you're mad. And I'm not strong enough to lose you again. But it's not like... I recognize that I have hurt you and I'm sorry that you got hurt. It's yeah. I'm sorry you're mad and I'm sorry and I don't want me to be hurt again. Yeah, I think that I think everything you're saying right now to me feels like it was purposeful. I think it's supposed to be poignant like that because I think that's a legitimate dynamic in a lot of No, but I'm saying like the resolution of that doesn't track. I don't think it's I don't think it's inten- an intentional resolution for Bob for his apology to be self-focused. Right. Yeah. No, I, and, yeah. and I, I totally hear and, you. The only thing I am thinking of right now is just, I keep thinking the, the, the long conversation probably happened after they were done with that. No good, terrible, very bad day of, you know, running through the jungle and going and fighting the thing in the city. Then I think we need to see that. You you, you don't think it's enough to see the result of it when they're all back together and cheering on dash at the thing. It feels like they're all back together and all happy again. And Helen let Bob off the hook of like, yeah, you lied to our family and yeah, you did all this stuff. But at the end of the day, we were able to save the city together. And so we're all good now. There's just always, ever since I've watched this as an adult, there's always been in the back of my mind a sense that like, man, Bob never really apologized. Yeah, I can see that. Because we see how we see how sad he gets. The audience sees how sad he gets when he thinks that Syndrome has blown up his family's plane. And then when he sees Helen, he says, you just keep, you keep trying to pick a fight and I'm just happy you're alive. And I know that if my wife and I were in a disagreement and I ever said the words, you just keep trying to pick a fight, we would definitely talk about that afterwards and be like, Hey, that was pretty crappy. You don't, you don't throw that kind of stuff around. Yeah. Maybe it's the seriousness of the movie in general that makes us feel like it needs to I'm not saying you think it needs to be marriage story like Adam Driver. No, no, no. But but that script is almost too mature. I think the conflict setup and the type of conflict that Bob and Helen have is for adults. And I think the resolution of it is for kids. That's fair. I don't think I don't think there's a sense in which the two. No, no pun intended in which the the setup and the payoff are married at all. Yes. It seems like we set it up in a in a maturity space that adults can handle. And then we solve it in a maturity space that kids can handle where superhero cries, says, I'm sorry, family hugs, they punch robot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I I just, I I do want to say one more thing and it it might not be like what your intention was in talking about this dynamic, but talking about how, um, she's not speaking up. Like, why doesn't she just say something under that oppression? I think that's, I don't, I don't know if we get to just say that. No, no. She should have just said something. It was like, well, it's not that easy. But again, it's like they do. They're giving us enough ingredients to be like, this is a pretty complex dynamic. Right. So if it's complex enough like that, why don't we have a more complex resolution? Yeah. So I think that's good. I think that's a really good convo. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of good convos, you know what time it is already. Time to yes. go over to shout announcements. Shout announcements. 
Welcome to Shout Announcements. That was uh, brought on by a previous Captain Planet discussion that happened off mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, patrons and non-patrons, need y'all to understand So something. everybody. So everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> hey, everybody. Listen up. There's we got two some- types of people in this world. There's our patrons and there's our non-patrons. Which one do you want to be? Line in the sand. So You get to choose. Choose this day who you're going to be for the rest of your life. Here's the deal. We got something cool coming down the pipeline for patrons only. Y'all. In support of the Pixar Picks, Pick What Picks Your Pixar, Pixar series. Pixar. We will be watching, reviewing, discussing Onward. Only for you patrons. That's a fresh one. Coming hot off the presses. <laughs> Only for you. And if you're not a patron and you're like, man, I'd love to do that. I have good news. You can for the low, low price of $3 per month of Three your bucks. Life. You can find $3 in your refrigerator. Just scrounge in your car. In definitely. your car. In old PJ pants. Because you're going to be <laughs> busting them out pretty soon. Have you found money in old PJ pants? I would prefer not to talk about it. Okay, sort of a private uh, I would me prefer, and my thing. Yeah, that's fine. You've, I'd prefer you have to found talk me about in my old PJ pants for the duration of this. I do not wear the button pants or the zipper pants anymore. Those I are no would longer prefer part of to my talk. Life. I would. I would prefer <laughs> to talk about social media. Rn TBH. I've heard of it. You should follow us on Instagram. You should follow us on Twitter. Uh, most recently on Twitter. We well, it's probably not most recently by this time. There's a lot of good stuff out there about Dune right now. Vanity Fair just did a whole Dune spread. Ugh. Um, my goodness gracious, I cannot so wait. Yeah, it looks real good. I cannot wait. Uh, and I'm hoping it goes to IMAX. Um, but I cannot wait to see that. And then over on Instagram, um, just the the wonderful workings of Doge. Mm. Go over there and check that out. Um, we'd love that. And don't forget, uh, that's for patrons and non-patrons. Uh, you will be voting for the final for the championship in Spring Delirium uh, of the Pixar series. Uh, it is Woody against Sully. Ugh. Good, good luck wow. with that. Take some time to big hitters and, and uh, pray about it. We would love it if you would vote in our Spring Delirium poll. Um, but that's not the only thing. And it's certainly not the biggest thing that you have done for the four of us, the three pod boys and our dad slash grandpa slash uncle Adam Stout. Mm. <laughs> uh, we, we, uh, one of the things we've been doing during this quarantine time, uh, during these weird stay at home days is kind of making sure that we understand all of our analytics and we're checking our position on podcast charts. And we're really just trying to make sure that we three non-number boys understand the numbers that are being told to us and what they mean for us and for our show. And what we have discovered is that we are kind of within spitting distance of the top 50 film and TV podcasts in the nation. And I cannot Uh, spit very far at all. We are very, very (laughs) bad spitters. Um, Some of the shortest spitters you might ever see. Uh, But we recognize that we would not be there. Uh, Without you guys listening to us and making us a part of your rhythms and your routines. And while that does sound trite, because obviously we'd not be on any list unless somebody downloaded our show at some point. uh, We (laughs) really are. We really are very grateful um, for all of you that have decided to make Two Junks and a Hunk part of your life and have recommended it to other people and have rated us and have reviewed us. We are just so, so grateful. Um, We were talking a little bit before we started recording about like if if our show has encouraged you to 
spend some of this weird time disconnecting from all the unpleasant stuff that's going on and just watching a movie and watching it with your friends or with your family and talking about it afterwards, then that to us is the biggest win that we could think of for our show. Um, yeah. So we're just super, super grateful. And I know we're typically kind of silly, kind of wacky, kind of zany boys, but we really do mean it from the bottoms of our hearts. We are so, so thankful for each one of you. There's some nice you guys so much. sincerity. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, I do, I do, I do just want to say what, what, what you said at the end is what I'm just overwhelmed by. If, if the three of us doing this thing that we are super lucky to even be able to do and absolutely love doing has somehow caused anyone during this time to lean into movie time with people they love. That is bigger than anything that we thought of at the beginning of this. Yeah. Well, bye. And we are back to the show. And I'm Doge, and I never look back, darling. It distracts from the chunk. This is me leaving behind Grumpy Doge. And now I'm fun Doge, I'm happy Doge, I'm pleasant Doge. I didn't think you were grumpy. And we're going to... This is kind of my superhero origin. This is the moment where I stop being who I was, and I become who I am. You just came out of the phone booth, basically. Exactly. Okay. Where's your shirt? Anyway, I want to, I'm glad you did that quote again, Doge, because I want to talk about Brad Bird for a minute. Brad And then Doge is like, hate him. Hate him. Like, <laughs> he's so the worst. <laughs> he Brad, just lets Bob walk all over him, dude. <laughs> Brad Bird, the director and the voice of Edna Mode, is my super pump for this movie. Okay. I think that his, so uh, um, I love Iron Giant. I know I've talked about that on this show before. Um, I think it's a brilliant movie. I think Brad Bird is a brilliant man. And uh, I think that this movie is nowhere close to as good as it is without him and his direction. Um, oh, yeah. I think it's that, not even a movie. Right. I, I think that he has just, w- w- what he did with this movie and with this story, it's greater than the sum of its parts. And its parts are pretty great too. Um, and then Edna Mode, man, is the standout character of this movie. And she's barely a side character at all, but she's just so fun. Did you see that they were trying to get Lily Tomlin to voice Edna? I love no. that. Yes, I love that. That's they great. tried to get Lily Lily Tomlin to voice her, and she heard like they sent her Brad Bird's like recordings as reference, and she goes, "Yeah, I mean, I can do it, but why are you bringing me in? It feels like you've already got it." <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, Every, that's awesome. Every Bird, word out yeah. of her mouth is so funny. Brad Bird's son uh, was the voice of Squirt in Finding Nemo. Yeah. And is also Tricycle Boy. Yep. Oh, so good. Does, does he almost does he say kid. totally wicked? Does yeah, he does. almost say the same thing? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the same great. little kid. I didn't even put uh. that together. The totally wicked is great. Um, yeah, Edna, her house, the suits, it's so funny. Brad Bird has taken this movie and just made such an awesome, weird, unique superhero movie. And he is uh, my super pump for sure. Yeah. I like Edna's for sure. I mean, just the set design in general. Um, I love her house. I I, love her house, dude. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Um, My super pump is the 
is Syndrome's Island. Like the, uh, the layer, yeah. I think everything about all of the designs there, like this retro, like the discs that they fly in, so that good. it almost feels like we're on indoor, yeah. you know, and this is like his version of the speeder bikes. Um, I, I think it's awesome. The wall and then like the waterfall that separates yeah, uh, the tunnels, like everything about it. Every single shot and the storyboarding is so good on the Dude, island. It feels so, it feels so like mid-century spy movie here yes. in the middle. And it's oh, so, man. so good. I'm a sucker for yes. any kind of mid-century stuff like that. The the conversation that Helen has with Dash and Violet in the cave when she's like, you know, those Saturday morning cartoons that you guys like to watch with the bad guys. This is nothing like that. That they want to kill you. I mean, she, yeah, dude, that sets such a unique tone. For the rest of the island, I don't know, man. It, it just, yeah, it, it it makes the stakes feel so intense. And they're supposed to, and that's great. Those are such good moves to me. And they're they're seen on the island when the family is finally all together, and they bust up all those bikes, and more guys come, and they all superhero pose together for just a second. Yeah, I welled up. That's my super pump. This yeah? moment where they all fight together against Ugh. the the bladed flying saucer boys. Yeah, it's so good. This whole this whole sequence where they are kind of all like Violet and Dash are using their powers for kind of the first time. Helen and Bob are actually in it for real, for real, for the first time in a long time. This whole fight that culminates with them being frozen by syndrome is so, so good. Yeah. That's my superpower. Oh, yeah. In in action movies in general, but I feel like especially in superhero movies, the choreography is so important. Yeah. Oh, big time. Uh it has to be cool. Like it has, you have to be like, whoa, like there has to be some kind of reaction from the audience on how creative something was. Yeah. And it's just full of it. There's, there's, you know, these, the, the very end of this movie, this 20 minute span or whatever, starting from the jet sinking and her, her turning herself into a raft and all the creative ways they start to use their superpowers. It's, it's all of it is just, so that's when the movie hits its stride for me is when everybody is. And, and I, I said Grumpy Doge was done. He's back. He's here. He's sticking his head in just saying, hey, do you remember me? This is when the movie hits its stride for me, when everybody is working and demonstrating agency and competency and moving toward a goal. Yeah, that makes sense. I will yeah. say, though, one of the one of the big bummers for me is how much better Mr. Incredible's first suit looks than his second suit. Oh, my suit. gosh. His blue suit's so much better. The blue and red and black, like the lines on that suit, like from a from a person who is fond of good design and also way too fond of way too many superhero comics. That is such a unique suit. It looks so cool. And then this one is like solid color with undies on top and his, the first letter of his name in a circle. And it's like, that is like the laziest <laughs> worst superhero suit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I just never even original. think, I never even think in that lens for this movie <laughs> just because it's so iconic now. The like original the red. is so, so much better. Agreed completely. Yeah. Hey, if we don't spend a little time talking about syndrome, I think my brain will explode before we do that. Let's talk about Mirage. Okay. Um, super dump. Okay. Yeah. Tell me. I don't, I don't think she's needed. I think you could have had the narrative of, uh, we feel like Bob's cheating on me without having even another girl that she has no idea exists. What if it's one of Syndrome's long red hairs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I, I just don't think, uh, yeah, it didn't feel important. 
I feel like for Pixar side characters to stand out to me, it's a really high bar, but it's got to be like an Edna mode kind of thing. And the, I think Mirage gets as much or more screen time than Edna does. Um, yeah, she's pretty bland. Yeah. And it doesn't feel That's very a necessary. Great, great name for a character of this archetype, though, like a shady, like Mirage kind yeah. of almost Bond girl. It's really yeah. good. So, yeah, Carter, I was I was super interested in your reasoning. Mirage is also my super dump for this movie. Um, pr- pretty much for the same reasons. I think that, uh, what happens through her arc could have been accomplished better. Um, and I think not involving like a sultry woman makes the assumed affair feel a little more like a misunderstanding because there's definitely like, there's definitely weird sexual tension between Mr. Incredible and Mirage like multiple times, yeah. which lends unfortunate credibility to Helen's theory. Yep. Um, and yeah, I, I think that her role could be eliminated and made the main plot stronger if it's an assumed affair because he's being shady. And the only reason he's being shady is doing a job he's not supposed to. And she's just not even involved at all. Yeah, and I know Mirage is supposed to be, you know, the turn. She's supposed to be the person that, like, it's a character in a lot of movies to where they're on the bad side, but then they're starting to really see the value of the good side. And unfortunately, her gaining of that value is not clear cut to me. Right. Is it just because she's attracted to Bob? Yeah. Or does she actually value family? I think it's because he spares her. Yeah, because Syndrome was going to let Bob kill her. Well, I guess that's true. Once we see that Syndrome's like, she's expendable... Then, then she starts to turn a little bit and realize just how bad he she is. She should but, have been yeah. Stratagale, the female super. And she got, got turned. Who got sucked into a vortex and now she's working with Syndrome. And then Bob, like there's no, none of the weird Wii Sports emotional stuff between them. And it's Bob literally just saying like, we used to be able to help people. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Thank you for saying Wii Sports. I didn't really understand what we were talking about until you I said know, that. It's got a, I well, think Jordan a said something which, like sexual tension. I'm not too sorry. A sense in yeah. which we want all of our movies to resolve conflicts for children. And that's been made very clear to me. So as yeah. long as we just keep referring it to it as Wii Sports, I think we're in a good headspace. <laughs> yeah. Um, Same. yeah. And while we're on the pattern of putting off talking about syndrome for another second, all of the superhero names are I was 10 just about to say out that. of 10. Gazer Beam, Stratagale, Dyna Guy, Thunderhead. Like it is. These and are none the of those greatest. are even the best name in this movie. These Which are the greatest the mid-century name? superhero names. Bomb Voyage. Oh my gosh. Bomb Voyage. Yes. Bomb Voyage. Is the best villain name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> when, when Buddy introduces himself as Incrediboy and he goes, Incrediboy? <laughs> <laughs> Whenever Bob pushes the vault door off of him and he goes, Bomb Voyage. And he goes, Monsieur Incredible. It's <laughs> wonderful. Oh, he's a mime with bombs. Uh, it's wonderful. It's so, so good. Yeah, uh, Carter, you're say, absolutely this is, right. This is maybe a time to bring up. Uh, and we haven't done it in a while. We dusted off the old email inbox to receive a, a pump and a dump Ooh. from a listener. Uh, Colton wrote in and said that his super dump is the theme, and I think it was probably accidental, that Pixar creates in this movie and maintains in the second movie that technology is more powerful than superheroes. Like, all of the villains are technology-based. There's not powered villains. Isn't that oh. strange? Bomb Voyage is not powered. Syndrome is not powered. Uh, in the next yeah, one, Underminer. Underminer's not powered. Screenslaver is not powered, which is 
Gosh, Screenslaver is such a good name for a superhero. Is that villain. Incredibles 2? I still haven't seen Incredibles 2. Incredibles 2 is Screenslaver. Oh yeah, yeah, it's pretty good, man. Okay, fair enough. I think you should watch it soon to While see the fresh. difference in animation. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. And, to, and to see, yeah. You're like, you were impressed in 2004, but you should watch a yeah. superhero Pixar movie real in good 2018. Now. Very Another cool. Another thing that, that Colton wrote in, he said, I think he had a, a tie for his super dump, uh, was how mean Mr. Incredible is to Buddy. Like this whole thing is avoided if Mr. Incredible is just maybe less of a jerk Yeah, that's to tough. Buddy. That's tough. There's no, and I get it for Batman. I get the whole I work alone thing. Right. Why on earth is Mr. Incredible not like, hey, buddy, fly out the window and you talk to the police down there and make sure the police are helping us not let people in this building. Yeah. Like, just give him something small to do. Like, buddy, it would be really great. You could help me stop Bon Voyage if you colored in this coloring book. And buddy's like, yeah, I would love to. I'll do that. Like, right. you have to squash this kid's dreams just because you're stressed yeah. about your wedding. Have you noticed how many Pixar characters squash like that? Yeah. Like loved Pixar characters. Yeah. Woody, Sully. There's a little bit of squashing sometimes to people that, that we love. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's understandable, but then sometimes it's like, huh. That's why I'm so likable. It just happens. Because yes. you squash. Because I'm a squasher. You a big squisher. Big squisher. Uh, I think it, so that's the thing. Like I, it works for Batman. Joy does that to sadness the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, true. The I work alone thing works for Batman, but there's just not a compelling reason for Mr. Incredible to say he works alone. Like we could, I, I was thinking about it last night. Like what if he had a sidekick that died no. or was killed by a villain? But then it's like, oh, well that's just Batman. That's just right. Jason but I, Todd. But I do think it's compelling because at that point was before he was married. And so it's like, wait, has he kept this whole mindset? Even at, like, he is selfish the whole time about his own family. Is he still thinking I work alone? Yeah, I think and he's realizing like that. that or is that too deep? Well, and I think there's probably an element of he's young, he's prideful, and when he goes out, he's on top, and he keeps that pride into later until he has to learn to kind of let that go a little bit. I think there's probably an element of that going on. But most importantly, syndrome. Yeah. Um, syndrome is so good. Yeah. His monologue, him catching himself monologuing, I think his powers and his plan are very fun. Um, his hair is second only to Jimmy Neutron. Yes. He's designed after Brad Bird. Yep. That's great. Even looks like him. Yeah. All That's the characters really in this movie a little bit look like Brad Bird. <laughs> <laughs> Except Edna Mode, weirdly. Actually. <laughs> sorry, Brad. I know you're listening. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Like all of his gear is so cool. Oh my gosh. I just love it. I I, th I love it. And he's pretty, I mean, he is a bad guy. Oh, like he is. What's the word? He's real awful. Dastardly. Yes. When is he, there a better name for him than syndrome? And that's not a rhetorical question. That's not me trying to be like, yeah, it's the best name ever. Like, no, I think there genuinely, is. Genuinely, genuinely, is there a better name for him? Like I, to me, when we say syndrome, I think of like Stockholm syndrome. So right. to me, if he's named syndrome, he's maybe it's because he's still obsessed with Mr. Incredible, the guy who squashed him. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah, I, I also think it's a, for me, I just interpreted it as, because we do see in the in the end of this movie how he's just really not cut out to be a superhero, even when he's, like he's even built something that's stronger yeah, than him. Right. And it goes haywire, like the end of Jingle All the Way. I mean, it's like crazy, uh, like turbo boosters throwing him off. But all that to say, like, 
maybe he doesn't even know how to name himself. Like I kind <laughs> yeah. of like the fact that it doesn't make sense because we talked about how good all the other superhero and supervillain names are. And then here's the guy who thinks he's the cat's meow and he's, he, it doesn't even make sense. I don't remember if it's post credit or if it was just a DVD extra from when I was a kid, but I specifically remember a scene where he goes to uh, the par's house to pick up Jack Jack from the babysitter and uh, she asks that's him. Sh- that's in Jack Jack Attack, the yeah. short that came on the DVD. She asks him what the S stands for, and he says "sitter." And he's like, "I couldn't walk around with a big BS on my chest." And I thought that was <laughs> a really funny line. Um, so the everything in Act Three and the short Act Four at the end of this movie is a callback, and it's so good. The the throwing of the um the like gauntlet to get everything back the way that he finally beats the thing. Um, Violet using her uh, powers like at the right time in a big way, uh, all the way to capes being the thing that takes syndrome down yeah. at the end. Yeah. And it, I, I just, it's so like George Lucas would cry tears of joy with how much this poetry rhymes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think as I'm thinking about it now, the fact that syndrome is Bob's, creation never gets acknowledged i think syndrome talks about it a little bit it feels like at the end and this is the only time that any movie podcast that you should listen to will ever say this sentence (laughs) but i think this movie should borrow a little bit from sam raimi's spider-man 3 okay and (laughs) what i mean by that is there's the the end scene where toby Maguire is talking uh to sandman Right. And he he basically just says, I forgive you. But there's an emotional catharsis right there that it feels like we needed here. It feels like we needed some element of Bob. Like Bob says, I was wrong to treat you that way way early in the movie. Right. And it's a little to me, it was a sense of like he just saw Buddy and he's freaked and. I don't know. I just have a hard time believing Bob when he apologizes, I guess I'm realizing. But yeah, but it feels like like at the end of the movie, 14 years later, though. It feels like at the end of the movie, like there should have been a moment of, buddy, I, you did not deserve to be treated the way I treated you. I said that I worked alone. You know what I mean? Like there's an element of like Bob's lesson that he learns with his family can be translated to his to relationship buddy well. with Buddy. And even if it's like maybe the end of Spider-Man 2, where it's like the Omnidroid is going crazy and Bob's like, buddy, we can't stop this. You have to stop this. You have to be a hero. I'm sorry I didn't let you be a hero all those years ago. Yeah. But you can be a hero now. But maybe once you try and shoot a missile to kill somebody's wife and children, you kind of pass the point of sorry I was mean to you. Sure. But I mean, do we not <laughs> yeah, look it- do we not look to superheroes of Mr. Incredible's archetype? Like, would we want Superman to do that? To say you tried to kill my mom, but I'm not I'm not gonna be that kind of person. You I know don't know. I mean? like maybe I- it's interesting though, because it's not that Mr. Incredible killed Buddy. And didn't give him the chance. He just, Buddy was knocked out. He went to save the city. And before he had another interaction with him, Buddy was already kidnapping his son. Like, I don't know, man. I think maybe there's a, there's not a conversation. I think it could have happened earlier. I think it should have happened. I think Doge might have even mentioned that, but I think it should have happened when he finds out that it's Buddy. But it did. Like as soon as he finds that out. He literally says, I'm sorry I treated you the way I treated you. Oh. But it's in the middle of being like, stop punching me. I shouldn't treat you the way, whatever. Like I shouldn't treat you the way. Stop punching me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I don't I don't get the sense that and, and maybe it's again, maybe my super dump is that Bob is not really ever truly apologetic. But like there's a I don't know. It just I feel like Bob got off real easy. He made this whole disaster and then just got off real easy because he's on the poster. I can see that to an extent. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I don't know. I, I and and there's eyes a, are opened. There's probably a, a certain extent in which I'm asking the movie to be something it's not. You know, I think that's like fair I'm, too. I, yeah. I don't know that the movie has the space for for Bob to have the moment where it's like, we've tried to stop it and we can't. I didn't let you be a hero. You can be a hero now. You have to do the right thing, buddy. Yeah, I don't know that there yeah. is a because I think if that was the case, the conversation we would be having during this episode would be, I really feel like the whole thing should have been that when the four Incredibles work together, they can take this thing down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I think maybe you're right. There's just not room to be both. Or in 2004, yeah. maybe there there wasn't. Maybe there wasn't enough universal superhero language to have room for that yeah. in the story in 2004. Sure. Well said. Speaking of things that are said, well, we are about to rate this movie using science, the one that Syndrome used to build all of his fun toys, the scientific cinema scale. We made that one, and it is as follows. The best thing we can ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it, buy Buy that poster. poster. The next best thing, that's buy it, followed by rent it, and then stream it. After that is forget it. And last, but certainly least, the worst thing we could ever say about a movie. God God has forsaken us. I can go first. Because it it feels like, I feel like as the middleman of the three, never truly on either side, except for my second episode, (laughs) in which we fought about Pride and Prejudice. And I wondered, is this right for me? (laughs) Um, So I will buy it. Um, this is a buy it for me. And I think it's unfortunate for the Incredibles that there's so many things that come into play, right? Like, cause we try and watch a movie as hosts of this podcast with the kind of lens of critiquing it and trying not to let other things influence it outside of the movie itself. But there's something about it being number two of what was it? 21, 27, 21 Pixar movies. Yeah. And the, the fact that people, I, I found myself holding it to that standard like the standard of all the people that voted on this. And it is not better than at least three of the movies that I think were, were lower on the ranking than this. And that's tough, right? I think, I think if you catch me five years from now, maybe I buy this poster, but right now um, there wasn't enough. And that's, I think that's my nonverbal reaction to you early on Jordan at the beginning of the episode is you said just about perfect. Um, And I think it's further away from that than you do. That's but fair. it's still a, I mean, it's a very good movie. Yeah. It, it, it made number two, all that to say. So yeah, it's a buy it yeah. for me. I, uh, I stand by my just about perfect prognosis from the beginning. This is actually my second favorite Pixar movie of all of them. Oh, nice. Um, it, it's, it's really fun how that has sort of shaken out at the end of this, but, um, yeah, this is my second favorite Pixar movie of all the soundtrack makes me so happy. The music is so f- I, I just love this movie. This is a poster for me. It's easy. I'm going to buy this movie. Um, we didn't even talk about Samuel L. Jackson continuing his quest to appear in every superhero movie that I like, <laughs> right? But <laughs> this one's so good. Like it, it not only works as a, a masterclass in animation, um, but it's also like just such a good superhero movie. If this was live action, it would be a fantastic superhero movie. You yeah. know, we don't necessarily have to grade this, it on a curve because it's animated. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This, this Pixar movie. So this Pixar series feels very much like when we get to the point of the scientific cinema scale, like when we did our directors yeah. series, like our favorite directors, like all of us are saying things that all of us agree on when we're rating right. it. Right. I agree with everything Jordan said, just not as much. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> just not one up the scale. And I think like so. movies like this, like Pixar, even like the, the director series, like I think there's just an element of 
obviously everything we rate is a sliding scale, but the slide gets way smaller for movies that pass a certain quality level. 100%. You, know, you, you yeah. hit a movie yeah. like The Incredibles and we can spend 20 minutes disagreeing pretty hard about a major element of the movie and then get to the end and we're one ranking apart on this movie. Yeah, we're all like, right. no, we do yeah. love it yeah. though. We do still love it though very much. And, and I yes. think that's the beauty of a series like this because there's also some Pixar movies that I bet we would say, I'm good. I'm all set. Yep. Looking at you, Cars yeah, for 3. Patreon members, you get <laughs> you get to hear that episode. No, we all ended Different up rating vibe. that way higher than I thought we 100%, would anyway, though. One hundred percent. Cars two is the true <laughs> trash. Yep. We did get a we did get an Instagram message asking us to please be nice about Cars one. So I'm not going to say anything mean about my favorite Pixar movie, Cars one. Better than Citizen Kane, even I'll say. <laughs> Who calls it Cars one? I think. Cars 1 is better than some other Pixar offerings. I'll say that. Namely, Cars 2 and Cars 3. Cars 1 is <laughs> is definitely in the top three movies about Owen Wilson being a car. Yeah, I would say that. I would say that. Certainly. At least. That and Wedding Crashers. Now, yeah. don't forget... <laughs> don't forget that next week we are finishing our series, Pixar Picks, Pick What Picks Your Pixar Pixar... With the first place winner. We didn't even say this in shout announcements. I know. The first place winner, which is, of course, Monsters, Inc. Monsters, Incorporated. Incorporated. <laughs> we don't all say that we together, do we? Literally ever. But that's fine. Okay. Uh, very, very excited. Hey, yeah, Doge. Oh, man, that was terrifying. <laughs> Surely it's your wife, right? I know. I know you know it's your wife. But like for a while, she was a silhouette in the slot of what was left open of that door. And I was like, what about the chance, though? Am I the dumb guy that people are watching the movie? And they're like, dude, clearly that's a burglar. Why aren't you saying anything? You see him. Just walks in and walks out with uh, all his keyboards and music equipment. Um, man, what would you do if I was robbed on our Zoom call right now? I would feel so helpless. I would laugh at you. I'd be like, ha, what an idiot. Who I would be robbed? like, hey, you jerk, put in these headphones and let me give you what's what. You better not hurt my friend. <laughs> Who gets robbed anymore? But he can't do that know? unless he puts on the headphones. We are video recording this <sighs> call too, probably. I don't know if that's true, but we'll probably have the footage of it. We'll get him. Don't worry about it. We'll track the sound of his footsteps. Now, also in that same vein, for patrons only, we will be reviewing Onward. So make sure you check that out and don't forget to vote mm-hmm, in spring mm-hmm. delirium the finals is there anything i'm forgetting uh our names and signing off well, well we yes, didn't tell about our, our worldwide stadium tour though a lot of those dates have been postponed <laughs> we're not going to be able to make i mean just you know what's you know what's happening we know what's happening Wembley, a lot of those yeah uh, a lot of those Madison arenas Square are Garden. just closing down so we're not yeah, going to be able to make done. it. We'll refund everybody. Staples, not the Staples Center, just the Staples. Staples um, by my yeah. house on McDermott and Highway 75. Yeah, it's going to yep. be great. Right over where you can get your passport renewed. Yeah. So, you know, just make sure you go there. For two chunks and a hunk this week, what I'd like for us to do in order to finish up is say I'm glad you name. clarified that this is for our podcast. I thought it was just going to be homework that you wanted me to like text you later. Well, mostly I did just <laughs> forget the order I say things here. I would like for us each to say our name and bum, yep. ba, ba, which superpower from this movie we would like to have for two chunks and a hunk. I'm Jordan wonders. And for, for this guy, for me, it's definitely super speed. Like a hundred percent. We did not even talk about how wild it is that that boy's name is Dashel, which is not a name. <laughs> no, it's and a name. how do they, how do they know that he was good at running when he was born? 
Did he was he born so fast? Well, it's the same way that Jack Jack eats uh, his weight in Jack in the Box hamburgers every day, and it was just oh, like I didn't sort think of a, about that. He's powered. That's powered true. by Jack in the Box. Is <laughs> by Jack's in the Box. Yeah, that's like Attorney's General. Mm-hmm. Jack's in the Box. Uh, I'm Doge, and I want all of Frozone's powers. Mm. Those are very. Uh, I'm thirsty. Those powers are very yeah. cool. I didn't realize Those until this powers question. powers are very cool. I'm so ready for him to interrupt again. Didn't realize until like this question. ice, Carter. <laughs> that there was a superpower out there that was perfect for me. Okay. And I'm going to call it a superpower. Yeah. Superpower by, by association. I get to have really cool friends. I get to have like uh, acquaintances that are A-listers. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, I get to have a real swanky place to myself mm-hmm. without having all of the media attention. Uh, I want I want to have the fashion powers of Edna Mode. Yeah. I want to be able to have that mind to put together such pieces that uh, impress at my local Applebee's, Applebee's uh-huh. and then also like save my life if I yeah. fall too hard on down the stairs. From, from, from the runway in Milan, darling. Yes. Carter, I think you'd... I think the only thing, the only difference between you and Edna is the bangs. If you could just go for that, that Will Byers bowl cut, I think that would be a really powerful look. Have y'all ever even seen me like with my hair not up? I'm making a request to now end this episode with the throat noise that you made before you started your (laughs) lesson. Your throat went, uh. (laughs) Look how different I look with my hair not. I don't think it looks that different. You look the same. Don't I look so different? I'm making my formal request once again to please isolate that throat noise that you made. Yeah, we will. If it came through the mic. Oh, it did. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.